0: Take a few minutes to offer a time of prayer, and um, Tom, you can keep playing if you want. And just for a few minutes, uh, you know, I didn't do this in the first service, and I meant to. But uh, you know, as Christians, as Christian, no matter who you voted for, as Christian, we're called to pray for our leaders, and we need to pray for our president, whether you voted for him or not. It doesn't matter. We pray for him. I pray for whoever it is. And, uh, and so let's pray for him. I know there's other needs as well. Um, many of you are dealing with different situations and COVID. I just want to take a minute just pray in our service here. Pray for our leaders, pray for those not just him, but the many and um, and then all across our country we passed week over two hundred thousand uh, deaths death in our country and uh due to the COVID nineteen. And so uh, I your in this moment to, to take that to prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you we come to you today with heavy hearts we're in a season in our, in our country, in our world <laughs> not just a United States problem, it's a worldwide pandemic so many families are hurting so many lives have been lost and uh, God as we continue to understand the disease more and more every week We're still fighting it. We're still seeing pain and loss. And uh, so, God, we ask you to be with our leaders, be with our president. We pray for healing. Be with his wife. Be with the leaders in Congress all throughout our country, from the national to the state to the local level. We pray for wisdom that everybody needs to take. We pray for unity. God, only you can do this. God, you can heal our land. There's so many of us in here that get knees before you. You know exactly what they are. And so, God, we need you. We absolutely need you. And I pray that we be a a group of people that recognize that we are nothing on our own, but we need everything done by you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Well, hey, welcome to Late Point Church. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, good crowd here. We had a good first service in uh, in a nine o'clock service. And um, if if you're visiting for the first time with us, um, you should look around, see a connection card, and um, you'll see a pile of papers. You'll see... Uh, Handout notes for the sermon. Uh, you'll see a green paper that's the life group. We'll be talking about that in a short few minutes. Um, but the connection card, we'll actually take a minute to fill that out. And uh, if you're first time with us, so glad that you came to worship with us this morning. And um, if you're watching online, um, welcome and I'm glad you, you can watch them wherever you might be, and, uh, and I hope that you'll be engaged with us as well during this service. And, uh, and all of our program we don't have, you know, we used to hand out program, but that's all digital, and uh, you can just search, uh, text the word program to the number in front of you. Uh, on your chair, you'll see that number, the 586 number, and um, you can get the program. All the stuff that's happening here at Lake Point, a couple of weeks. In a couple of weeks, the men, they have a mint stakeout. It can be a great time selling tickets in the lobby and uh, information more information about that in the program. Among other things, you know, we got baptism coming up on uh, the first Sunday of November for those who want to take the next step in believers baptism. And uh, I also want to say this last Sunday we had a membership class and and it had 15 I'm sorry I think closer to 20 new people came and became partners, members of our church. So we're so glad to have them with us. Uh, and then, and then before I dive in, I, I got to, you know, I got to recognize uh, a, a new couple. I've got a new couple here, and, uh, and they just got married on Friday night. Howard and Michelle, raise your hand. There you go. <laughs> All right, there you go. I told you I would. All right, there you go. And, and uh, a real beautiful little wedding, and I'm happy for them. So anyway, Howard and Michelle hits, and uh, so there we go. All right. Well hey, uh we've been in a series called Getting Back to the Basic. Getting back to the Basics. You know, we were uh, part of the reason for the sermon series is uh, you know, we were kinda of separated a little bit. I mean we're trying to do virtual church and 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 we did the best we can to do church and church still happened, but um we we wanted to uh reinforce some of the things that maybe we kind of had to take a step back. And and that's what this is about, getting back to the basis of discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? And in the first week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about a a disciple that grows up spiritually. You know, it grows up spiritually. And everybody's in different levels of their spiritual walk. And, uh, And we challenge you to grow as believers, and uh, no matter what days you're at, whether you're a new believer or whether you've been a Christian for a long, long time, we've still got work to do in our life. We've still got to grow up. And we talk about uh, the word grow, you know, and it stands for get on your knees, read your Bibles, all right? Get on your knees and pray, read your Bibles. The letter O stands for others needs your ministry, serve. And then letter W means to witness, to share Jesus. And, and so, we should all be growing up, and we talk about what that means in a couple of weeks ago. As a disciple, that's what we do. And then last Sunday, we talk about a disciple pours out freely. and talk about le- leading, uh, leading their lives with generosity and, uh, and, and quit being all about me and looking for others and ways to give. And uh, in, in a few minutes, um, at the end of our service, we have a greater things offering. And if you're new with that, this is what we do once a year. And this is an annual thing. So, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a weekly thing. I don't want you to think, oh, this is what we do every week. But we do this every year. And you'll see people with their blue buckets. And uh, all year they've been collecting change and loose dollar bills. And then at the end, we're going to pour our special offering called Greater Things Offering. And it goes to help ministries all over Detroit area. I'll explain what those are toward the end of our survey. And, uh, but that's what that is. And, and we get the lead with generosity, and that's a mark of a disciple. That's who we are. That's what we do. And we'll see that in a few minutes in the early church, how they led with generosity in their lifestyle. Today, I want to talk about another mark of disciple, another mark, in, and that's what this is. A disciple, it links up relationally with other believers. A disciple links up with other believers. Um, One thing I love about sports, and I like watching sports, but my favorite thing about sports is watching the team come together and execute a game plan. I love teamwork. I I, I say teamwork makes the dream work. A coach, he might say that there's no I in team. You know, you need a team to win games. You need a team to win championships. You can take the best NFL football player, uh, you can take the best running back in the NFL right now, and he needs a team. I mean, you can put him out there by himself if you want, and no matter how good he is, he may be the best, you put him out there by himself against a team, he's not going to win a game. You know, he may catch the ball in the kickoff at the, at the goal line. He might get to the 5-yard line, and the 10-yard line untouched. But at the 12-yard line, it's going to get very, very ugly. And uh, so no matter what you are, no matter who you are as a running back, you need a team to win. You need a lineman. You need a quarterback. You need all the parts of a team to win a game. And Christians... It needs a team, too. God designed us to be in a life, not by itself, but be a part of a team. We're not to, you know, God, we're not, God didn't intend for our lives to, be, to live alone. In fact, we see this. God loves groups. He created all the animals, by the way, to be in groups. All right, so I'm going to get to a real turning here, okay? We're going to play a little game here, a little trivia, all right? And, and i got to hear you, and uh, I'll try to read your lips. So if you got a mask, I'm not going to read your lips, okay? So do the best you can. You know, you can keep it on. You don't have to take it off, but I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, and we're going to talk about some groups here, all right? So animal groups. You ready? All right, if you were in the first service too, all right, all right, don't, don't be a show-off now, okay? I just called you out, okay? All right, Danny, where's Danny at? All right, here we go. Uh, let's go. A group, a group of sheep. Ah, oh, come on, y'all know better. The nine o'clock was much smarter than you so far. Come on now, all right? All right. A group of sheep is a? Flock. There you go, there you go, there you go. All right, y'all with me. A group of cattle. A herd, there we go. A group of fish. A school of fish, there we go. A group of wolves, yeah. a pack. A group of lions, yeah. a prize. All right, so far you guys got, you know, what is it? Five out of five, All right. Give yourself a hand, all right? All right, let's, let's up our game a little bit. A, a group of mice. Well, for for the record, it's a mischief. Mischief, okay? You didn't know that, did you? A group of vultures. It's a venue. A venue. Couple more. A group of porcupines. I loved it. It's called a prickle. (laughs) A group of giraffes. Tower, a tower of giraffes is what they would call it. And then one more, all right, they're doing about as good as the first service, all right, so don't feel too bad. A group of rhinos. It's called a crash. Okay, they love to the crash, don't they? Well, you know what you call a group of Christian? Church. A church, a church. God gave you to put you in a, in a group. It's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Even the Lone Ranger had Tanto with him. God's plan for your life is that you will link up with a group of believers. Now, in Acts chapter two, we kind of see this plays out, and we see this, in the backstory is that the church was born. This is where the church began. It was born on the day of Pentecost two thousand years ago. Peter he preached the gospel. And there were three thousand people added to the church that very, very first day. Three thousand men. Not counting women and children. The Bible said that the church it's exploded with growth. And we see early on how the early church, how they functioned together. And it's so important. Acts chapter two, verse 42. The Bible said that they devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles. Teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. That's what we talked about last week. They just poured out freely, right? Verse 46. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And as you read the passage, it is, clear that the early disciples had two venues that they would work in, that they were functioning in. Two different venues for gathering. Thousands of them were gathered together in the temple courts. And then they divided themselves up into small groups in the home throughout the countryside around Jerusalem and all through Israel. It just reminds me, you know, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, and I went to church, you know, and I had two types of church I went to. I went to Sunday school class, and that was Little Church. We called that Little Church. Got you going to Little Church. I said, okay. And then after Sunday school, the family would get together, and we would worship together in Big Church. We would actually call it that Little Church and Big Church. And we see Little Church and Big Church right here in the story. In fact, the church in Jerusalem, they continue to grow and grow. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 4, we read that the number of the men in the church was now at 5,000 people. Again, not counting women, not counting children. And some would estimate that there were more than 20,000 people in the church. So, how in the world could a huge church of thousands of people function together? And to carry out the roles of the church, and it's the same thing. We we'll see the same thing that they did, the same thing that we do, two thousand years later. In, five, in chapter five, verse forty-two, we, again we read about the big church, little church dynamic. It's day after day in the temple courts, that big church, and from house to house, little church. They never stop teaching. And they never stop proclaiming the gospel, the good news, that Jesus is the Messiah. So if you want to be a healthy, growing disciple, we got to get back to the basics. You need big church and little church. You need both if you're taking notes. Believers, they participate in big church and worship. The Bible said the disciples, they met together in the temple court. Let me talk about the temple court. The temple court uh, was renovated. Uh, This was the second renovation by Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great, he's the one that killed all the baby boys in Bethlehem. He was a ruthless king. But one of his legacies was that he rebuilt the temple. Now, the first temple was built by King Solomon. I King Solomon a 1,000 years previous. And, and it was a beautiful, beautiful temple that he built. He was the son of David, and he built that beautiful temple. And then over time, you know, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the different countries ransacked the temple, ransacked the city of Jerusalem. And, and then, you know, it seemed like every few years they would try to fix it back up. It wasn't back to its splendor and glory that King Solomon built it a thousand years previous. And so King Herod comes on the scene, and, uh, and he wanted to do something very special. He's not a religious person. It was all about politics for him. He just wanted to do something very, very special. And so he went to the top of Mount Moriah, and Mount Moriah is a part of Jerusalem. In fact, it's on top of Mount, on top of Mount Moriah, you know, uh, thousands of years before that, it's where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. It's on that same mountain. All right? and, and the top of that mountain not very big. Can't put a ton of people on there. But on that mountain, Herod wanted to build this beautiful temple. And so he brought thousands and thousands of, of square cubic feet of gravel and, and rubbles and, and dirt to the top of that mountain to make a platform, to make a flat surface, flat surface big enough for the... Amazing temple he wanted to have built. Now, the, the tabernacle part itself wasn't very big, probably about 30 feet by 60 feet. But the temple court that was on top of Mount Moriah by the historian Josephus, he the uh, historian of this time period, he described the size of this temple mount, the temple courtyard. He described it as the size of six stadia. Now at the time, we know that word, we use the word, we get the word stadium. The size of six stadia. And, and the measurement for a stadia in this time was about 300 feet wide and about 600 feet long. That's about the size of two football fields. This was six stadia big that's the size of 12 football fields. So this is a big, big place. You can put thousands and thousands. In fact, it was the only place in Jerusalem where you could put thousands of people where they can gather together for worship. You the largest crowd, I think about the largest crowd that I've ever been a part of for worship. The ever biggest church worship I've ever been was my wife and I, we were dating. We were, uh, dating, and and we were, went on a mission trip with our teenagers at the church that we were serving at in Florida, and we went up to Nashville, Tennessee, and Nashville, Tennessee, in the year 2000, Billy Graham had a crusade going on in the, in the, in the middle of the summer, and, uh, and we just happened to be in town. We thought, man, that would be kind of a cool experience to take our teenagers to uh, the Billy Graham crusade. And we went in, this is, to the football stadium where the Tennessee Titans—that's where they play—and um, they've changed names over the time. I think it's Nissan uh, Stadium, um, but anyway, it, it's right there—a full house, forty, forty-five thousand people are worshiping, and and they had the worship leader Stephen Curtis Chapman, and uh, and he planned his. His number one song at the time was the name, the song was called Dive. How many remember that song, Dive? Okay, all right, somebody remember. And, and, and the idea of that song is really high energy, and then you start jumping up and down in the middle of the song, okay? And everybody started jumping up and down, and you can feel it in, in, the, in the stadium. I mean, the place was shaking when Stephen Curtis Chapman was leading us through that song. Now, I'll never forget it. I also will never forget. When Billy Graham came and delivered a message and shared the gospel so crystal clear. And in the time for the invitation, where the famous George Beverly Shay, with his deep baritone voice, comes up, and he was singing the invitation song, Just As I Am. And as he's singing that song, and people coming down from the rafters of the stadium to the football field, thousands and thousands of people, tears down their face coming to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Thousands of people come to know Jesus. And that's one of the biggest experiences for church in my life. And it was awesome. Can, can you imagine these new believers that coming together for the first time, worshiping? And then, then they get to hear, not Billy Graham, but Peter and John. And, and, and Peter and John, he's not talking about, you know, hearsay. He's just a, they're, they're saying, hey, we know Jesus. And they begin to talk to them and preach what Jesus did and what he would say. I mean, firsthand, real experience. What a powerful, powerful moment. And the Bible, it directs us to gather together in big church, big churches, just like they did, to worship and to learn and to proclaim God's word. We see this in Psalm 34, verse 3. It says, like, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. There's a place for big church. There's a place for us to come together to glorify His name. I love it when I can hear, when I can hear you singing. I sit in the front row, and if I can hear you singing with my hearing aids on, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. I can hear you. That's good because we're glorifying God and proclaiming his name together and then we get to learn more about his word. You know, as I prepared for this message, I, I'm reminded how my family, when I was a kid, went to church every Sunday morning without fail. Every Saturday night, we had our rituals. We'd get our outfits all ready to go, pampered up. You know, my dad would bring out the shoe shining kit. We'd shine our shoes we were getting ready for Sunday morning. And looking back on that, I discovered a very important family lesson. My parents started preparing to go to church on Saturday night. We never woke up on Sunday morning. We never wondered if we were gonna go, if the weather was kind of down or if we overslept. The decision to go on Sunday was made on Saturday. And said what a timely lesson, Mom and Dad. It's a great lesson to teach your kids. And we do that even today. We get our office ready, we get ready to go on Saturday night. We're not waiting until we're not getting home late. We are getting our hearts and mind prepared to go to church to worship together and big church on Sunday morning. And so showing up for worship is an important habit for a disciple, but there's more. Number two, disciples engage in little church for fellowship. The church in Acts, the big, big mega sized church would have never grown. It would in fact it would have died off if they only had the big church experience. But they grew through the house to house meetings. The Bible said that the Lord added to the was salvation added to the church every day and everything was happening through little church. You see, it doesn't matter how big or how small the church might be. It's important as the church grows larger that the church also grows smaller in life groups. Here at Lake Point, small groups, we call them life groups. And in a little bit, we'll get to see all of our life group leaders and you'll notice that we have life groups all throughout the week. Some here, some at homes, uh, some by way of, uh, of online. We have some online Bible studies. We try to create, you know, uh, many different options. We've got men's groups and ladies' groups. We've got groups that it doesn't matter, you know, what age level you are, you know, and, and if you're married or not, you know. We, we have all kinds of groups. We have, by the way, we have little church, little groups for your kids. You know, that's happening right now. Go back there. We have a little group, you know, just a big group, big church for the teenagers. But we have little church for our teenagers on Sunday nights. You know, so as the church grows bigger in big church, it's important to grow smaller in a little church. And it's so important. If you're not part of a life group, man, you're missing out on one of the best things that we've got going on. So let me give you five quick reasons why you need little church, why you need it, why you need a small group. Number one, relationships. If you're taking notes, relationships best happen in in small groups. Studies have shown that even if you're an active member of a church, the most that you're going to get to know in a church is about 60 people. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. Now, if a church is only 60 people, big, then you're going to know everybody. But if a church is 600 or 6,000, you're still going to know about 60, 70 different people. Now, if you only come to big church, if you only come to big church, chances are that you're not going to build as many relationships. I mean, you're going to come to church in your same spot, and you're going to see your, your role buddies, or maybe your session buddies. You're get to say, hey, how's it going? You know, hey, how's your week? And then, oh, the music starts to play, and it's all right, we've got to get singing. And, and you're very limited at far as getting to know people in big church. I'm not saying it can't happen. It's just limited. But little church is where it really happens, where you can get to know people and really get past their name, really get past, you know, their name and find out who they are and what they're all about and get to know people in your group. Knowing people's names is important for fellowship. When John, the Apostle John, finished his third letter, he gave the instruction in verse number 14. He said, the friends here send their greetings. He said, greet the friends there by name. Be personal. And if you start attending a group, there will be people who will get to know you and will greet you by name. And then when you come to church, you get to know people by names. You get to see them by name. You say, hey, how's it going? How's your week? You know, and, and have a more relationship with them. For some of you, your nearest and dearest friends that you have in the world are the ones that you've met in your life groups. And so know your names. Get in, get in life group for relationships. Number two, interaction. Here's the second reason why you're in life groups. Why it's so important. It's an interaction, it's where you can study the Bible. When you come to big church, of course you hear the word of God being taught. But because of the variety of ages that we have and different levels of spiritual growth, you know, I try to cater the message where a 12 and 13 and 14-year-old can understand. I'm trying to feed spiritual milk. Now, I try to add some humor and I try to add some practical things and try to make it a milkshake if I can, okay? <laughs> but in life group, that's when you can really savor the delicious meat of the world. That's where interaction can happen. One of the best ways to grow is asking questions. It's hard to have question and answer time in here. You know, you can ask a question I won't even hear you because I'm so hard of hearing from a peer. You know, and, and, and by the time we get to that, but it's just not the place for that, but life groups. It's the place to grow, to get a little deeper in the Word of God, and to focus what you're learning from God's Word. The Bible talks about the importance of diligent Bible study in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, you know, on this, uh, you should never take me for face value. I'm just a preacher, but I'm not the final authority. God's word is the absolute final authority. And this should be fact-checking. Okay, right. we're at the time for the day right now. Uh, you should be fact checking You should say, hey, what God preaching and teaching measure up from the Word of God? Your, your, your small group leaders, as they teach, the, the authority for their teaching is not their opinion. It's not what they think. It should always be grounded in the Word of God. And we have to teach and help you to learn the Word of God. So important. A few years ago, George Barna, who's a researcher in, in the Christian world. He, was, he polled Americans on their knowledge of the Bible. His findings revealed that there's a lot of biblical illiteracy going on in our nation. According to some of his research, of Americans can't name five of the Ten Commandments. Less than 5% can name all of the Ten Commandments. 82% of Americans think that this phrase is in the Bible, that God helps those who help themselves. And it's not in the Bible. But 82% believe that. In fact, 12% of Americans think that Noah's wife was the Joan of Arc. I have some learning to do. you got to grow in God's Word. you got to read it. And, and I can only do so much in this, in this time. And even small groups, you go a little bit deeper. That's why I talk about in the first message that it's important that you read your Bibles every day. got to grow yourself. We're just helping you. We're encouraging you. But it's you that got to study the Word of God here's number three. Third, third reason why small groups is important fellowship. That word again, fellowship. Where we get to share food and fun together. In other words, it's where you do life. Do life together. In some churches, and this is not what fellowship is, some, some people get a little confused with the idea of fellowship. But in some churches, you go in there and uh, you see a, a room, a big bit big open space, kind of like very similar to a South Hall. We call it the South Hall. We don't call it the Fellowship Hall, but sometimes we call it the Fellowship Hall. And in our mindset, think, okay, that's where fellowship happens. It can only happen in the Fellowship Hall. And it can happen in the Fellowship Hall, but understand that fellowship happens outside and it can happen anywhere. Fellowship, the Greek word for fellowship, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the word koinonia, koinonia. It means sharing together, doing life together. And when the, when the believers, when they worship on the Temple Mount, there's no way that they could have do life together or share a meal together. They did it in the homes. We Look back in Acts chapter 2, I've already read it, but look at it, verse number 46. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, of all the people. There's something spiritual about sharing a meal together. Jesus chose a meal with his disciples to institute a new covenant, you know, the, the Lord's Supper. It was a meal with the disciples on the road to Emmaus that they recognized Jesus. After the resurrection, Jesus met the disciples on the banks of the Sea of Galilee for a meal. I know in a lot of our life groups, you know, we do different things, you know, desserts and snacks, but they try to create some type of opportunity for community to happen. I know for watching, if you're going to be in a Zoom group, that's a little bit of a challenge, but I know that there's ways that you can have fellowship, even on an online platform. And so we're striving for fellowship. We're striving to do life together. Number four, the fourth reason why life groups is important is for care. For care, where you can receive support in times of crisis. All of us would go through times of crisis. Maybe someone in your family uh, is in a hospital, or you're experiencing a death in your family, or someone lost um, lost their jobs, um, or, or maybe someone you know, maybe you're going through a divorce and you're in that group. When you go through a crisis, you need your church family to be there for you. Absolutely. Even the Apostle Paul went through some tough times. He'd been down almost to death, um, and then he showed up to Galatia, all beat up, all in a lot of pain. He showed up to the churches of Galatia, and he was a mess. But the believers there showed compassion, showed him the love of God in his time of pain and weakness. And he later on, he wrote about it in Galatians chapter 4. He says, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, it was a challenge, you didn't treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God as if I were Christ Jesus himself. See, everyone has needs. But if you're not involved in a small group, there's a chance our church won't even know about your needs unless you tell us. So how do we know when people are in the hospital or have a death in the family or have a new baby? Well, sometimes we learn about it through your life groups. Just like Acts chapter 2, the church in Acts chapter 2, you know, big church. It's going to get harder and harder for us to know about every need got to, that, that, that needs to be met in big church. We've got three services, you know, and, and it's going to take time. But it's so important to get connected to small group. Life is too tough to be alone. We need each other. We absolutely need each other. I heard a pastor tell about how his son was born without his, was born with one hand. And this little boy grew up happy and active, never thought about it. You never thought about his handicap, you know. And, and one time he was in Sunday school class and the teacher was trying to teach the kids about church. And to illustrate it, she, she folded her hand, right, and she recited the little, the little poem. Now here's the church, here's the people, open it up, and here's the people. All right, and it's a little boy in a little Sunday school class, and she's teaching, and she said, Okay, now, she tell all the kids in the class, I, say, I want you to do it too. Yeah, y'all yeah, make your little church. And just once she got started, she was like, Oh no, the pastor's son only got one hand. I just felt bad. And he said, Little Johnny, I'm so sorry. He said, Oh, it's okay, teacher. I just do it with my friend next to me. And together, The two boys proceed to join their hands to make the church and the steeple. I need you. You need me. You need each other to make the church. We got to do it together. That's why every Christian should be a part of a life group. Number five, the fifth reason why we should have, why life groups and small groups is important is for ministry. Just like when you need care, Life group also gives you an opportunity to minister to those who didn't care. Every member is a minister. The place for you to, to love and to share each other's burdens. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, that we should carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, you love your neighbor as yourself. Carry each other's burdens. And that's what we do here in Life Group. That's why it's so important. I love it when someone calls me up from Life Group, one of our leaders, and they say, hey, Pastor Scott, I just want to let you know that so-and-so is in the hospital or so-and-so is about to have their baby or they just delivered a baby or or this is going on. And and first of all, I said, thank you for letting me know because I care. I want to know. But then the second question, I said, hey, listen, I know what I'm going to do. what is your life group going to do? And most of the time, our life group leaders, they already have the answer. And so, Pastor Scott, we're going to get our meals. We're going to go up there and pray with them. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I said, man, that's what it's about. Caring for each other. Loving one another. That's why life groups is so important. We have several types of groups. In fact, we're starting this year a mentorship program, one-on-one discipleship. You know, and some of you have applied for that, you know, and and talked to my wife. She's kind of leading that, and Rosie's helping her. And um, we're doing that with the ladies first, and we're building that up. Men, we're working on that too. You know, we'll get there. You know, but uh, that's so important. It's linking up. And then we have our life groups, semester-based groups that start today, that start tonight. And uh, I'm going to invite Tom to come up here I'm going to invite all of our life group leaders. I want you to come up here as well. I want you to get to meet our life group leaders. And then I want you to pray about, you know, maybe we need to be a part of one. Maybe it's time for us to be a part of one and be a part of a life group.
1: So as our leaders start making their way up here, the reason that we're doing this is because we didn't want you to just, you know, you look at a piece of paper and you see a bunch of topics. We wanted you to kind of see that these are real-life people who are going to be meeting in each other's homes. And we have a lot of virtual groups that are available as well. Look how well you guys lined up for this service. Oh, my goodness. That's so much better than my average musician. I'm just going to be honest. So, that um, was a joke. Oh, my gosh. Just calm down. Just We're all sensitive little. Okay, life group number one. And I, literally, I'm going to read what the group is, but you can see... We have a ton of groups going on every day of the week at different times, so some are happening in the middle of the day. Um, there's a fantastic group. It's life group number 16, and it's going to be amazing. It's just it's just good. I'm going to shamelessly plug my own life group. That's going to be uh, every Monday at 4, and you should sign up You know, so you can get super saved. I'm going to put in an extra word with Jesus with you. It's weird following up how good Scott does with my weird sarcasm, but... There's a life group for me, too. The first one is life group number one, Christians at Our Best. That's for Dan Bice. Just everybody, just when I say your name, just kind of uh, wave your hand. Unstuck with Danny Deverna. Brand new with Anna. Well done, Danny. With Anna Stanley. Um, Life group number four, going through First Peter with Steve and Amber Levin, they couldn't be here today, but they are going to be meeting in person and on Zoom at the same time. So if you still want to kind of be a part of it, but maybe you're not ready, or, you know, some weeks you might feel cool with it and some you won't, you'll still be with that same group of people. Um, Living Hope in Christ, Tammy, she's leading that same group at two different times. Grace-based, uh, grace-based discipline, Peggy G and Col- uh Uh, and her friend Shelly will be uh, leading that. Uh, Karen is going to be offering a a group called Get Out of Your Head, one in person and another one that's going to be in a Zoom meeting. Uh, Life Group 10 with Ben Hill. Hi, Ben. Yep. Uh, He's going to do Work as Worship. Uh, Harvey Bennett, he's going to do a men's group called Play the Man. Uh, And then Dan Bice is also hosting our men's breakfast uh, for those folks who get up at 8.30 in the morning. Oh, it's just... Everybody has a place here, I guess. 8.30 in the morning. Our Young Adults Group, that's ongoing. That's uh, run by uh, Lauren. And uh, Nick Spatafora helps out with that, too. And uh, Into the Light with uh, Susan Hodnett. I say, hi, Sue. There you are. Hi. and, and again, you know, with Karen's group, she's doing it in, in two different ways. There's just wonderful opportunities for you to be involved. I'm going to pray for that, and then we're going to get going with the rest of our service. Uh, but please, please do sign up today. God, we love you. We ask you that you do wonderful things doing, uh, during the semester and that many of us take the next step by joining a life group. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody.
0: Amen. Let's give it up for these guy. Woo! Get signed up sign up today. Get in a life group. You can do it on your card. You see that green paper? all that information. And, and, and then um, or you can do it online. Go to our website and get registered. Let us know that you're coming. Let's link up. We do better. We do better in little church when we're together. Right. We can do more for God when we do life together. Now, Of course, if you're a first time guest with us, you know, thank you for coming. You're welcome to be a part of it to anybody. It's not just for church members, for anybody. And uh, But we encourage those that you call Lake Point Church your home to dive in and be a part of our group. Let's go small as we grow bigger. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come together in groups. So God, we ask to bless the next few minutes as we talk about greater things. In Jesus' name, amen. So our greater things offering is right here. And uh, first service, and they got the ball going there. They did a good job here, and uh, it was great to see the blue bucket. Let me give you the four ministries that we're going to be supporting. We're going to be supporting a church plant in Ann Arbor called Reza Church. Reza Church. And um, they're starting... That we just started recently. We're gonna help a ministry called Abigail Ministries, helping single moms and their families get back up on their feet and, and getting getting reestablished with some build mentorship happening in that ministry. Great ministry. We to wanna to get a part of. We're gonna help Love for a Child. It's a ministry that helps foster kids, you know, in troubled homes in our community, and um, we get to be a part of that. And then we get to be a part of a a fourth way of, a fourth a fourth way of giving, going to go to churches uh, in the in a state of Michigan that have been impacted by a, in a such a negative way by the COVID-19. Some of the pastors haven't been able to have a, take a paycheck; they've just been paying the bills, and that's all they could do to pay the bill to keep the doors open. And we wanted to just be able to do what we can. What we're going to do with that is a portion of that money will go to a greater chunk of change. From other churches that are doing the same thing that we're doing, and um, so what's the goal of that amount? Was it seventy-five thousand? I'm praying for hundred. I'm praying for a hundred thousand dollars to help churches all across our state, and uh, we're gonna, we get to do that because of Jesus. We get to do this because of Jesus. We get to lead with generosity because of Him. He gave His life to us so that we can poorly pour freely out to others. And so here's what we're going to do. Some of you bought your buckets. Some of you bought a check. Some of you bought plastic bags. You know, some of you just got a pocket full of change. You know, you got some loose dollar bills in your pocket. Um, Some of you, you you just not prepared at all. Maybe you forgot your bucket. Next week, you can bring your bucket next week. You know, you can bring that. Uh, If you want to do it online, you can go to our church website and, uh, uh, and give online and uh you can be a part of that as well you can give and make sure you select greater things and everything that goes to the greater things designation will go to this offering our goal is fifteen thousand dollars that's what we're praying for in this offering It'll be the biggest amount that we've ever done and i believe that we can i believe we can do this and so we get to do this in just a few minutes and here's how we're going to do it okay because I don't want y'all coming all at once and uh, kind (laughs) of, we want to be as safe as possible. So in just a minute, when they start singing, this section right here, the far left and the far right section will go first. The middle two sections stay right where you're at. This section right here and this section over here, you're gonna walk to the wall, okay? You're gonna walk that way to the wall this section, you'll walk this, this way to the wall, and you'll come down and uh, in a single file, make sure, you know, make sure you give you know, do your giving, and then walk back up the middle aisle. Don't go back, because then you're going to run into people. But go up the middle aisle, and then filter back into your seats. And then this section right here, and this section, I'll point. When I start doing the sound, I'll stand up and say, I'll give you a thumbs up, okay? How about that? Point thumbs up, you know, well, I'll motion you to come somehow. And you'll do the same thing, but you won't go to the wall. You'll go to this aisle right here. This section, this aisle. This section right here will walk down this aisle. Same thing. You come here, make your gift, and then walk back the middle aisle to your seats. If you want to get your kids involved, we got our kids involved in the first service. If you want to get your kids involved, then go ahead and check out your kids while we're doing this, and then wait in the back, and Miss Lauren back here, Lauren is, uh, will make sure, she'll let, let you know when you can come up, come up, and so she'll direct you to make that move uh, after you get your kids, so get your kids if you like, if you like, and, and be a part of that, okay? Let me pray, and after I pray, uh, Tom and the band is, is going to sing, and we're going to worship to the song, The Goodness of God, because it's, because of his goodness, because of his faithfulness in our lives, we can do what God wants us to do. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for the blessings you've given us in our lives. And God, I pray that every one of us can give, you know, in the way that you blessed us. And it looks different to each and every one of us, God. But together, we can, we can make a difference in lives all over our city and all over our states. So, God, we ask you to bless the gift as well as the giver. In the name of Jesus,
1: amen.